Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to the pat williams power hour am 990 and fm 101.5 the word this is your hour when orlando magic senior vice president pat williams sits down and speaks with authors who've written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you and now here's your host pat williams Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're always so glad when you join us here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Uh, Now, we have an engineer. His name is Pete. I call him Pistol Pete. Pete Pichetti gets us on the air. Andrew Herdliska produces this show every weekend for us. And we get to talk to Chris Brown in this first segment, founder of a church called The Well in Columbia, Tennessee. His book is out. It's called Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. Chris, welcome to Orlando. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Pat. Why was it important to write this book? Well, you know, I've got just a uh, calling on my life to uh, steward um, everything that he's given me. You know, there's a passage of Scripture in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, it's called the parable of the talents or the, the parable of the bags of gold. And a lot of times that gets attributed to finances. Uh, for me, I just pull up to 30,000 feet. And that, that also includes your energy and your time and your influence and your um, just, uh, and also your story, your past. And so I can't go back in my past and change anything. Uh, none of our listeners today can go back in their past and change anything. But what we can do is steward it well. And so God has given us those experiences, and we, it's our job to, um, to give that, those experiences, whether they're good or bad or in the middle, uh, to give them a purpose. So for me, it was kind of a, a journey for me personally to dig into um, the meaning behind some of that pain and try to, try to give it purpose for today, uh, whether that be empathy with a, with a colleague or whether that just being able to um, – understand what someone else is going through, or even to launch a ministry um, that um, serves people who are in the same predicament that I was. Well, let's open up. Your first uh, chapter is called An Invitation. Uh, what are you writing there, Chris? Yeah, well, the, the point is is that you know I, it's, it's a book that has a lot of story about my story and a lot of compelling uh, stories about tragedy and about violence and poverty and drugs and instability and a lot of just crazy stories, but I really want to invite the reader into to go on the journey with me. Whatever their pain is, whatever their story is, although their stories may be different, they may be maybe more dramatic, they may be less dramatic. I want to invite the reader to kind of come in on the journey with me and say, "Hey, I want to give my past some purpose, and I want to be able to uh, have some kind of either formal or informal ministry uh, in a church or in a, a workplace or even in my neighborhood or even in my family." Uh, in the future as a result. And so I'm just kind of inviting the reader to come along, and I talk about how this concept was birthed in my life and how it could be birthed in theirs as well. 
Chris, let's get to topic two. You call it past heartache, present empathy. Uh, explain that to us. Yeah, so, you know, one uh, one scenario that happened when I was uh, younger was, um, you know, my stepdad, dad number two, uh, drove through the living room, and it's really hard in a, a short segment to kind of sum up these stories, but uh, I guess that's why you need to get the book, right? <laughs> but uh, it was a really, really sad story, and uh, I had this uh, little dog um, that uh, I had to give away to the police officers when the police officers showed up because we had to flee to another state. And we had to sleep under bridges and piers um, for uh, quite a while as, as, as homeless, met my mom, my mom and I. And, um, and uh, that translated itself into an adult, you know, decades later, where um, I was uh, exposed to a situation where there was a single mom with two kids where the dad had left them and she was stranded. She'd never worked outside the home before, wasn't marketable, couldn't really get uh, a job that was good enough to pay the bills. And she was stuck with, you know, nowhere to go. And so without even thinking about it, um, my wife and I brought her into our home and they lived in our home with us with two kids. And those two kids had a bunch of animals. They had birds and uh, lizards and gerbils and all these crazy animals that I probably would never have in my home. But for me, when you're truly grateful for what you've been given and truly grateful for what you got, and you went through something, you had that past heartache, you can empathize with somebody when they're currently in their situation. And so that was an example of transforming the pain and a heartache of the past and turning that into empathy for today. And so it's a, it's a longer story than that, but that's kind of the, the, the gist of it and just really challenging the reader to do the same. Chris, I want you to tell us about broke and busted. What's going on? <laughs> well, I, like I said, I grew up in poverty, and so uh, with poverty comes a lot of frustration of uh, just being evicted from homes and uh, bouncing around from jobs to jobs and having to transfer schools constantly. And I grew up in a lot of poverty, and um, and so with that was a frustration of a kid. And I can remember my 11-year-old birthday. I was um, just resolved in my spirit that this will never happen to me as an adult. I, this, the curse ends here. Man, my future is going to look different. My family is going to look different. And, um, you know, I, I started off my adult life with uh, two great jobs, my wife and I, and uh, we graduated college. Everything was looking great. And then I overinvested right before going into the 2007-2008 recession. I had a bunch of homes that I owed mortgages on that I couldn't sell and I couldn't rent. And uh, next thing you know, I found myself in bankruptcy court. Mm. And I had done the exact same thing that my mom had done. It looked totally different. I, I didn't do it the way that she did. I didn't do it the way my dad did it, but I still was in the same spot. And so I just wanted to open up the book with a lot of vulnerability and transparency that, um, you know, a lot of times we're resolved to do things differently, but we make mistakes as adults too. Well, that's a huge pain. So what do I do with that? Well, right now I offer free financial coaching to people all over the nation. Uh, what could have been $100, $200 an hour, and I worked for Dave Ramsey for years, and um, and I've done financial coaching for a long time for free because I really want to take that pain from the past and I want to transfer it into purpose for today and uh, help other people avoid the situation that I got myself in. Chris Brown is our guest. Chris, who was the Dave Ramsey that you got to know? <laughs> Dave Ramsey is a um, a um, uh, kind of a trusted voice in the area of personal finance around the country, and uh, he's a good friend of mine and. He has a radio show called The Dave Ramsey Show, and um, 
super, super good conservative biblical view on personal finance. And I was kind of like his co-radio host for years, and I was his voice to the church that raised the banner of stewardship, primarily in the money sector, on how to manage uh, God's money, God's way, for God's glory. He's just an incredible man of God. Let's keep moving. Uh, Your fourth topic in your book, show up, be a Danny. (laughs) what's, What's that about? Yeah, so I had a, um, a friend when I was younger. I lived in, always lived in um, really bad neighborhoods and um, lived in uh, neighborhoods where I was the only person that looked like me. And so I was a target. And so I would constantly be bullied and constantly be beat up. And I had this one friend who never left my side and was always there for me. Didn't really say much, but he was just always there. He always showed up. And so the way that's translated into me as a trying to take that pain of all the things that I went through and knowing that this friend was always by my side. Now in the future, I've got uh, a few scenarios where I I feel like um, God has uh, prompted my spirit to be a kind of friend who doesn't just show up in the stadium to cheer with a foam finger and to cheer with uh, pom-poms, but to also show up in the courtroom when our friends are going through valleys and going through really tough times. And so there's this one scenario I talk about in the book where I flew across the country to meet with someone, a friend who was in rehab. He only had a one-hour visitation uh, window, and I was 20 minutes late. And I sat down and just showed up and listened to him and and was there for him to hug his neck. And I flew back to Nashville from Phoenix. And so it was just this show of like, hey, uh, uh, be a Danny. Be somebody who absolutely just shows up and is there for somebody. He didn't need me to fix his problems. He didn't need me to speak truth into his life at that point. Truth would come later, but he needed somebody who would show up and show that they care. Now, Chris, I want you to get into this topic for us. Feeling stuck. What's happening? Yeah, so there's, you know, the times in, um, you know, in our, our lives um, where we don't feel like we can get out of uh, the scenario. And um, I, I know what that feels like in the times where we were just um, not making much money and no way out. And maybe you guys have seen, uh, those of you that are listening in, you've seen a movie where uh, maybe it's a movie about um, the, being in the projects or um, just being in low-income home uh, housing or not being able to get above minimum wage. Uh, well, that was us. We were in that scenario and feeling stuck. And so uh, taking that emotion and uh, without giving away the story that's attached to that chapter, uh, now I can recognize a pain can recognize pain. And so now I can recognize somebody who feels stuck. It may be economically. It may be socially. Uh, it may be just intellectually. It, it may be just in the standpoint of meeting a next big opportunity. I can witness that. I can see that from a mile away, and I can empathize with it. And so uh, the challenge to the reader is that we would see those people in our lives that feel stuck. You can see that. And for them to feel seen, and Jesus throughout the Scriptures saw the people who needed to be seen, made the invisible feel visible, and uh, we can be that Jesus to other people as well. Now, I want you to explain shame off you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, our our natural tendency as humans is to feel shame and to to really uh, cast shame on us. And really, in the Christian world, um, and really even in the secular world, there's this idea, if you mess up, it's shame on you. You think about these big public mistakes that have happened recently, even at the Oscars. 
there's just a natural tendency for humans to completely bash somebody who makes a mistake. We don't think about it. We, don't, we just subconsciously get on the train of bashing somebody who makes a mistake. Well, we do that to ourselves, too. And uh, for me, I, I look back and I look at all the things that maybe I've made mistakes or people in my family have made mistakes. We don't have enough people in our lives that are saying, hey, shame off of you. We have to understand that shame is actually an emotion and guilt is an emotion from the enemy because it cripples us. Any kind of emotion that comes to us that cripples us is from the enemy. Now, there's conviction, Holy Spirit conviction from the Holy Spirit, which is different, because that compels us to become better and to become more like Jesus. So we have to understand the difference between shame and conviction. And I would just say to the reader, and I would say to the listener today, shame off you. You're doing better than you think you are. And listen to the Holy Spirit's voice and be able to discern what's conviction and what's shame. My guest, his name is Chris Brown. He's in Columbia, Tennessee. The book Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. Tell us about rejection to acceptance, Chris. Yeah, so growing up my my whole life, I had, um, you know, uh, men coming in and out of the house, and I always felt um, fatherless. I had a lot of gaps to be filled. I didn't have anyone to teach me how to do those basic things like tie a tie or change a tire or anything like that. I just really didn't know how to process emotion, how to handle conflict, how to deal with a bully, any of that kind of stuff. And so I always felt rejected. Well, when I went through counseling in preparation for this book to make sure that I was emotionally in a place uh, to be able to write this book and be able to do it in a way that really helps the reader in a, in a, and steward this opportunity well, I realized that my rejection problems were not actually with men. There were some rejection from men, but really what the issue was, was uh, the rejection from my mom. You see, my mom would rely on me as a head of household and as a um, kind of like a, a, a partner to be able to pay the bills, to be able to do the dishes, to be able to do laundry, to be able to take care of my little brother, to be able to manage the home. And then every time a new guy would come in, a new dad or a new boyfriend, they would come in the picture that she's unknown for an hour and she met at a bar. He would come in, he'd live there for three weeks, and during those three weeks, they would be just, go play with your toys. I'd be an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, and she'd say, just go play with your toys, go to your room. And I'd just be cast aside as just a kid when I was the one carrying the weight of the home for all the weeks before that and months and years before that. And that rejection over and over again was really, really tough for me. Well, fast forward to college, freshman year of college, I was exposed to Psalm 68 in the Bible that says, he is the father to the fatherless. And that was the day that I really realized that I had a father all along that I can cling to. And since that day, um, he has been my father, and I have not felt fatherless because God has been right there with me, and he's fathered me through the journey, not only through silent whispers, not only through a Holy Spirit conviction, but also through mentors and through coaches and through supervisors and through pastors. And so that's what that chapter is about, is about turning that rejection into acceptance. My guest is Chris Brown. He is the founder of a church called The Well in Columbia, Tennessee. We're talking about his book, Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. And speaking of books, my latest book is out. It is called Every Day is Game Day. It's a 365-day devotional. Wrote it with my friend Mark Atterbury. Every devotion has a sports story, a sports anecdote or theme, and then it leads into the devotional part. I think you'll enjoy it, as well as the book Restored by Chris Brown. 
This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Chris Brown is the author of Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. Chris, I want you to explain to us uh, your eighth topic in the book. It's simply called His Fingerprints. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we look back in our life and um, we feel like we were completely alone. And um, we look back and we realize, oh, wait a minute, I was being protected. That whole idea of father to the fatherless, that he was fathering me all along, even though I haven't truly accepted him in my heart, he has been there with me. I had mentioned a little bit about supervisors and um, mentors and uh, coaches and those kind of things. Well, you know, uh, you know, I, like I said, I was sleeping underneath bridges and piers and those kind of things. And, you know, middle school and high school, I was doing everything I could to not be home because home was unstable and tragic. And so I would drown myself in sports, uh, fall, winter, spring, football, baseball, basketball, whatever I could do to not be home. And so I would be the first one to practice and the last one to leave. And the reason why is because I didn't want to go home. The second reason why is because I was starving for a that a boy. I was starving for uh, some uh, male figure in my life to say I'm proud of you. Uh, I was I was starving for I was a people pleaser and just looking for acceptance. And when I look back now, I realize, man, he was really involved because the proximity principle is a big reason why I don't live that lifestyle anymore. Being around people that pulled me up and didn't push me back. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good behavior. And the opposite of that is true as well. When we hang around with good company, it pulls up our good behavior and our good habits. And I just happen to have really good coaches and really good mentors. And it's not just happened to. That was his fingerprints. He put me around the right people to pull me up and not push me down. Furthermore, I actually, when you do that, when you go to the first one to practice and the last one to lead and you get more reps in the cage and you get more reps than everyone else, and even a below average athlete can become pretty good. And so I actually became pretty good and got a college scholarship where I got a college scholarship to a Christian school. I had no idea who Jesus was, but they said they were going to give me $50,000 if I would love Jesus. (laughs) So I was like, I will love Jesus all day long. Uh, So... I went to this Christian school, and uh, little did I know, God was working. His fingerprints were all there. Because two weeks into uh, school, we had a chapel every day, and an evangelist came in, and um, I learned all about the gospel. I learned all about stewardship. I learned all about Psalm 68. He's the father to the powerless, and I, um, that's when I accepted Jesus. Well, even at this Christian school is where I met my wife who uh, I married into the Brady Bunch-type family. Who, <laughs> and uh, since then, between church and my wife, um, I've been discipled ever since, and here I am pastoring a church. So all of that chapter is saying, man, his fingerprints, he was there all along, and he was supplying for me, even though I didn't even know him yet. Where, where was the college? Where did you go to school? I went to Clearwater Christian College, sure. which is an independent Baptist church or a ch- uh, uh, college down west of Tampa, and they don't exist anymore. 
but they were an amazing, amazing church, uh, amazing college back in, uh, and I graduated in 1995. How about that chapter? He is the father to the fatherless. Tell us more. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, for now, I take everything I've kind of shared so far about father to the fatherless and kind of take that another step. And what does that look like for me as a father? I get the question a lot. So Chris, you've never seen an earthly fathership like done well. You've never witnessed that. How do you know how to be a father to your three kids? I have a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 13-year-old. And it's like, how do you know how to navigate um, those elementary years, the middle school years, high school years? And and uh, really, I run through two filters. Uh, one filter is I ask myself, <laughs> what did I experience as a kid? And let's do the exact opposite. <laughs> so that, that's one filter. Um, another filter is... Um, I just take myself back to their age, my experience at that age, and I say, what would I want when I was a kid? What was it that was missing? What was I dying for my kids or for my parents to do for me, especially as a father? And that's the second filter. And I guess the third one would be, and in, in no particular order, is what does the Scripture say that I need to be teaching my kid? Um, I'm really big on I'm actually fathering a heart, not behavior. And so for me, I'm always trying to make sure I raise up godly adults not necessarily good-behaving children. Preferably, I get both in the process, but I'm more worried about making sure, not worried, but more uh, my first priority is to make sure that I raise godly adults. Talk to us about defeating depression. Yeah, so there was a season in my life where I was actually an adult, and uh, it was actually just a few years ago where uh, I was, I don't know if you call it midlife crisis or whatever, but I was having a tough time processing my life to this point. And uh, many of our listeners, I'm sure, have gone through a similar scenario where it was just a season of discouragement. I don't know if you call it depression. I don't know what you call it, but I, I, I I, I never felt these emotions before, but I really had a lack of motivation to continue. And uh, I had to do a lot of soul searching. I had to go to a lot of counseling. I had to get a lot of biblical counsel. On, on all that. And what I realized was the best way to bust through depression or discouragement is actually the opposite of what the world tells us. The world tells us that we need to go get a massage. The world tells us that we need to go on a vacation. The world tells us that we need to go to Disneyland. The world tells us that we need to somehow we need to take care of our personal care. Well, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five, it says the generous will prosper. And it's not even talking about prosper with money there, although that too, but it's actually talking about a bigger version of prosper, and it's joy, it's comfort, it's intimacy with the Father, it's a lot of things. The tail end of that verse says this, it says, those who refresh others themselves are refreshed. That jumped off of the page when I was reading the Bible one day, and I realized, wait a minute, I'm going about this all wrong. If I really want to be refreshed, I need to get my focus off of my belly button and get my focus on other people. The thing is, is generosity will spark inside of us a love for people, and that love for people will be generated by uh, generosity. It's a reciprocal thing. And gratitude is what is the foundation to generosity. Generosity is just the currency of gratitude. It's just gratitude in action. And so for me, I went back to my past and took all that pain and what God has delivered me through and really boiled that into a big pot full of gratitude. And then the way I defeated depression was really not me, it was God, but it was um, me pursuing generosity. 
And so I upped my generosity. I've always been a tither. I've always been, I think that's just the baseline. But God really stretched me in this area of generosity. And so my wife and I are just, uh, I feel like we're kind of giving away the farm now. But we absolutely are the happiest we've ever been. So if somebody is listening in today and they want to defeat discouragement and depression, put a few $5 bills in your hand and just go shake some hands of some 8-year-olds, some 10-year-olds, some 12-year-olds, maybe some $50 bills for somebody who's down and out. Maybe it's a $100 uh, tip underneath a coffee mug on a table uh, for a waitress. I don't know what it is, but, man, make sure you exercise some generosity and realize what it does in your spirit. Tell us about fewer victims, more heroes, Chris. <laughs> well, I just realized that a victim's mentality does nothing for us. I was talking to two different people the other day in a lobby, and uh, it was amazing. It was two different people that came up with the almost the very same story, and they had two different outlooks. The quick version is this landscaper was coming up to me and, and said, hey, I can't get ahead in this economy. The, 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 the small mom-and-pop shop business can't get ahead. And uh, they were talking about this particular city. It was a landscaping company, and he couldn't get any business. He couldn't get any return business. He couldn't get any new business. Uh, the gas prices were going up, and it was this poor victim's mentality. And I actually felt bad for him because I didn't know about the story that was about to happen. An hour later, in that same lobby, in the same city, in the same economy, with the same gas prices, this guy comes in and says, dude, I can't believe this. There is opportunity everywhere. I can't even believe how much business I have. It's coming outside it's coming out of my ears. I don't know what to do with it. I'm going to have to hire an assistant for booking. I'm going to have to get another mower. I'm going to have to get all this new equipment because I can't beat off all of this new business with a stick. Same economy, same city, same gas prices. One's a victim's mentality. One's a victor's mentality. And so in that chapter, what I'm doing is explaining the difference between the two. A victim's mentality will never get us anywhere. If you're a listener right now and you're listening in and you're, you're right there on I-4, and you're in traffic, right? And you are just, um, you have got this pull, this natural pull back toward a victim's mentality. I am telling you, squash that with everything you have. Surround yourself with people that pull you up relationally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. Because if you're hanging around with people that are all saying, oh, poor me, I can't get ahead, you will not win in this life. You won't win in sports. You won't win with your family. And so that, that chapter is all about a victor's mentality, not a victim's mentality. Chris Brown has been our guest. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Our guest in that first segment, Chris Brown. The book, Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. Uh, We go from Chris, who was in Columbia, Tennessee, to Edmond, Oklahoma, and there we have found Carol McLeod. She's the host of a Jolt of Joy podcast and significant podcast. We're going to talk about her book, At Home in Your Heart, Inviting Christ into Every Room. Carol, welcome to Orlando. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Pat. Thank you for having me. It's always good to be with you. Carol, how can you explain this book to us in a sentence or two? Yeah, Pat, I love a good devotional. You know, I have a daily quiet, as as many believers in Christ do, and I read the Word, but I love to complement that 
with a devotional. And so this devotional, At Home in Your Heart, 60 Days, is just to be complementary to one's daily quiet time, to examine all the nooks and crannies of our hearts. Well, let's dive in. Your book breaks down into uh, nine parts. Part one is called The Foundation. Uh, What are you writing there? So, Pat, just like when you're building a home or a building or a skyscraper, the foundation is the most important part of the building process. The foundation determines the capacity of the height of the building. And so so it is with our personal walks. We've got to pay attention to the foundational issues of life if we want to live a great life. So, Pat, in this first part, foundational issues, we examine the things, the stuff that we are building a life upon. Um, Every chapter has scriptures in it. It has questions that the reader asks oneself. But, of course, I believe that the most important foundational issue is is Jesus Christ, is, is making every decision based upon what the Word of God says. So that's in a nutshell, what the first part is, the foundation. Now, Carol, I want to move to part two. You call it the blueprints, the Word of God. Yeah, so, Pat, when you visit a building site, um, there are many people working around, uh, builders, contractors, carpenters, plumbers, electricians, but every time they have a question, they say, the blueprints. Let me look at the blueprints. And so in my devotional, I've compared the blueprints of a building to the Word of God. Because every time we make a decision in life, Pat, we must say, blueprints, let me see what the Bible says about this decision. Let me see what the Bible says about this issue. So part two, as you said, entitled The Blueprints, is all about the importance of examining Scripture in our daily walk with Christ. Like, we shouldn't just be looking at the Bible once a week when we go to church. We shouldn't just be looking at the Bible at Christmas time. We should be incorporating the truth and the eternity of Scripture into our daily walk, how we treat our kids, how we treat our husband, how we spend our money, um, what our emotions should be. It's all found in the blueprints, so don't ignore them. Now, uh, Carol McLeod is our guest. Let's go to part three, insulation, uh, the love of God. Yeah, Pat, in this section, I begin by telling a real sweet story about my husband and I lived in Buffalo, New York. Okay, so when I say that word, Buffalo, New York, everybody automatically knows what I'm talking about, snow, long, cold winters. And we lived in this little home Pat, I kid you not, the first winter we were there, the monthly heating bills were higher than our mortgage was. Mm. It was ridiculous. So that summer, my dad and my husband put insulation into all the outside walls of this home. The next winter, we were snug and warm, and our heating bills plummeted. So insulation, it's an important part of keeping your home snug and warm. And and so what I've compared insulation to, Pat, is the love of God. I think one of the most important theological um, principles 
to examine and to embrace is knowing that we are loved by God the Father. Pat, we don't have to do one thing to get God to love us. He loves us just, just because He's love. He knows of no other way to be. On your very worst day, God loves you. And on your very best day, God loves you. There's nothing you could do to make him stop loving you. And conversely, there's nothing you could do to convince him to love you more. God loves you just the way you are. And that's the insulation of your life. Carol McLeod is our guest. Her book, At Home in Your Heart. Carol joins us from her home in Edmond, Oklahoma. Carol, we've arrived at part four. Open the windows. Prayer. Yeah, that's right. Open the windows is is about our prayer life. So, Pat, I'm an introvert, and I could just stay at home every single day of my life and write and read books and just be totally happy. But that's not the life that God has for me. God says, Carol, open the windows. Let some fresh air in. Examine the world around you. And so as as we're looking at our heart as the home of Christ, because that's the name of the devotional, at home in your heart, open the windows is prayer. I, I think that one of the most exciting parts of being a Christian, Pat, is developing a fierce, vital prayer life. It's being enthusiastic when we pray. And when we, when we do that, when we determine, hey, I'm going to pray today, it's like opening the windows of our hearts and letting the, the fresh breeze of God blow in. It also gives us a view, a perspective on the world that we've never had before. Pat, I'm trying to figure out why prayer is so hard for people. We all know that prayer is God's will for our lives. We all know that mountains move when we pray. We, we all know that history belongs to those who pray. So why don't we pray more? Why don't we? I, I don't know why prayer is so intimidating. So in this section, Open the Windows Prayer, I've tried to take... Um, that intimidation factor out of prayer and and convince people, hey, if I can pray, anybody can pray, and it's a life-changing choice to make. Do you have a tip or two about how to to pray better? What did you say, Pat? Do you have a tip for us about how to uh, be a more vital prayer warrior? Well, you know, what what I say in this section, Pat, is listen, you don't have to be good at it to get the job done. You just have to mean it. And so uh, an open heart that just goes to God with passion and, and, and with vulnerability, just talking to God like you would to a friend, that's my tip. Don't, don't think you've got to say the perfect words or choose the perfect time. Anytime is a good time to pray. You know, pray while you're in the shower, pray while you're driving, pray while you're folding laundry, um, but, but just do it. And remind yourself daily, you don't have to be perfect to pray. You just have to mean it. So, but just to be a little bit more practical than that, Pat, I, I do have a prayer journal. Just bought it at the dollar store. I buy a couple a year because I fill them up. 
and I just list what I want to pray about. And if I tell somebody, hey, I'll pray for your child, I just write their name down so I don't forget it. If I promise my mom, hey, I'll, pr- I'll pray for your leg that hurts, I write it down so I, I remember it. And I keep that little prayer journal by my bed, and I read over it at night before I close my eyes. And that just works for me. It just works for me. Carol, uh, we've landed at part five. The heart of the home, worship. Yeah, so Pat, um, this might be my favorite section. The heart of the home, worship. I think that incorporating worship, a song, um, the ability to sing through a storm is one of the most important values we can place in our lives. We, we need to fill every room of our hearts with a melody that cannot be silenced. Because, you know, Pat, um, we, we do indeed have an enemy, and one of the first things that he's going to try to get us to do is not to worship the Lord. The, the enemy wants us to worship our emotions. The enemy wants us to, to be consumed with our circumstances, which means we're worshiping them. We're, we're more concerned with our circumstances, with our emotions, than we are with the king who is sitting in the throne room of our hearts. So I, I, just, I just love this section um, that talks about worship. Um, one day I, I had all five of my kids in the car, and Pat, at the time we lived outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, it was in July, so that means hot. Our, our van didn't have air conditioning, so that means hot. And my, my children were so hungry. I, I'm sorry, my children were so thirsty. And Pat, I, I was a pastor's wife with five kids. Mm. I, I didn't have money to go through the McDonald's drive through and get them each a lemonade. And so I, I needed to get some errands done. And they're all complaining that they're thirsty. And so I said to my son, Jordan, who was about six years old at the time, I said, oh, you need to wet your whistle? And he said, what does that mean, Mom? <laughs> and I said, well, well, your, your whistle comes from your tongue. So when you say you need to wet your whistle, it means that your tongue needs some water. And so my little genius son said, oh, well, Mom, if your whistle comes from your tongue, where does your voice come from? <laughs> and I thought, this is good. I'm stalling. Everybody's forgetting they're hungry. I said, well, buddy, your um, voice comes from a little muscle in your throat. And Pat, I'm just sort of making this up based on what I remember from, you know, biology in the 10th grade. I, I said, honey, your, your voice comes from that little box in your throat and it's your muscles that vibrate and your voice comes out. And so that's a, that satisfied him. And then my little three-year-old daughter from the back seat, Joy, said to me, well, mom, if your whistle comes from your tongue and your voice comes from your throat, where does the song in your heart come from? Oh, my. And I, I said, oh, darling, the song in your heart comes from Jesus. So for all of our friends, Pat, who are listening today and you're struggling with discouragement or loneliness or even depression, I want to encourage you to sing again. To, to, to open your heart and to sing a song of worship to the Lord. Pat, there have been days when I didn't have the energy to sing. And so what I do is I turn on worship music 
and I listen to it, and I let the melodies just roll over my broken soul. One of the most important choices a believer can make is the choice to worship, the choice to sing. So don't ever lose the song in your heart. Carol McLeod is the author of At Home in Your Heart. Uh, Tell me about part six, building materials, the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. So, Pat, my husband and I have just built a new home, and we love it. But, boy, is it a job to choose the, the sink that you want, to choose the countertops and the paint and the front door. But all of those things go into building a home that you feel comfortable in, building a home that you can have company into. So the building materials of your heart are an important choice, but it might be hard. It might be time-consuming. At times, it might be frustrating to figure out what are the building materials of my life. Well, the Holy Spirit's gotcha. He's in Scripture. He tells you what the building materials of your heart should be, and they're called the fruit of the Spirit. That's what you want to build a life out of so that your life can be comfortable, so that you can have people into your life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I examine each fruit in in this section, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the ever-popular self-control. Those are the materials that God says, hey, build a life out of this, and you will never go wrong. Carol McLeod is our guest at Home in Your Heart, inviting Christ into every room. We've got more with Carol. Stay with us here. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, and you're tuned in to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Carol McLeod uh, has written the book, At Home in Your Heart. Carol, we've arrived at uh, part seven. It's called Housekeeping, and you call that forgiveness. I do, I do. I start this section out, Pat, with with a quote by one of my heroes of the faith, C.S. Lewis. And this is what Mr. Lewis said uh, many, many years ago. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And so this section talks about receiving Christ's forgiveness in your own heart. You know, Pat, sometimes the most difficult person to forgive is yourself, isn't it? Oh, yes. And so we wonder, yeah, we, we wonder, can God really forgive me for the person I've been, for, for a divorce, for an abortion, for um, abuse, for all the mistakes that I've made in my life? But, but the truth is, He can. And the second greater truth is, He wants to. And so this section begins by talking about receiving the forgiveness that Christ has for you 
as a human being. Um, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all need the forgiveness of Christ. And he wants to forgive us more than we want to be forgiven. But then as Mr. Lewis pointed out, so accepting the forgiveness of Christ, that is where it begins. But there's more to the house cleaning of our hearts. We must forgive people who have wronged us. And I know the first thought that somebody might think, Pat, is, well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Well, that's the whole point. They don't deserve it, but we give it anyway. We forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. And there's a real danger in not forgiving somebody, and that is that other weeds will grow in your heart if you don't quickly forgive. And those weeds are bitterness, they're jealousy, um, anger, hatred. All those things are second generation to unforgiveness. And honestly, my friends, you don't want those things in your heart. You don't want that putrid condition in your heart. You want your heart to be like Jesus. Carol, I want to move to part eight. And you call this the dining room. Yes. Serve a generous portion of your faith to others. Well, Pat, you know, our lives are really not about ourselves, are they? Like, I, me, mine? Nope. That's actually not why you're here. You are here to tell the story of Jesus. You are here to welcome others into your heart and therefore into your world. You, you were saved not just to go to heaven. I mean, that's going to be wonderful, and we're all going to meet there. But if you were only saved to go to heaven, that, then the Lord just would have taken us the, the instant you're saved. But that's not the only reason why you were saved. You were saved to make an impact on the world around you. Jesus longs to overflow from your heart into the hearts of others. So this, this is the fun stuff of life, Pat. Um, the dining room is the fun stuff. It's where celebration happens. It's where parties happen. Um, you can invite somebody out for coffee. That's the dining room of your heart. You can pray for a woman at the grocery store. That's the dining room of your heart. You can go on a missions trip, or if you can't go, send a teenager on a missions trip. You are called, we are called to be a living, breathing demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So prepare your heart. Prepare your heart to serve others. Now, I want you to <clears throat> move into part nine, Carol. It's called knickknacks. <laughs> Daily wisdom <laughs> for your heart. Oh, Pat, I love this section so much. It's a shorter section. It's it's the closing section. Um, but this, this section is just sweet. Let me put it that way. It, it just sort of breathes with, it sparkles with sweetness. Um, you know, as a, as a woman, I, you know, I love to decorate my home. I love to, to, to go to a store and, and buy a couple of new things for the season I'm in. It's, it's knickknacks. It's just the fun stuff of life. So this section, Pat, is just sort of the overflow of my heart. And I just share a few eternal truths that I've learned over the years. 
And, and so I, I think what I'd like to do is just tell your listeners about one of the knickknacks. And it comes from Psalm 119.105. And this verse says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Well, what does that mean? Okay, let me tell you what it means. In the ancient days, most people either went barefoot or at night, they would slip on a pair of sandals that they actually might share with everyone in the home. And and between the toes, there was a leather thong, and tied to the leather thong was a, a little tin cup about an inch in diameter. And in this little tin cup, they would pour just a little bit of oil, and they would light it. They would actually light a little flame in this tiny bit of oil. So when they went walking at night, Pat, this this little piece of light cast just enough light, about 12 to 18 inches in front of the person who was walking, so that they could see ahead in the pathway, so that they wouldn't stumble over the roots of a tree or, or a rock, so that they wouldn't step on a scorpion and be bitten. So in ancient days, when men and women of God read this verse, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway, they, they knew what it meant, Pat. They knew that the word of God was going to cast just enough light for the next step. So they could see where they were going. So they wouldn't step in anything dangerous, but they could walk confidently into the plans of God. So all sorts of little things like that is what this part nine is filled with knickknacks, just some daily wisdom from my heart and from the word of God to your heart. Carol McLeod. Carol, there's an afterword to your book. The Heart You Call Home, what are you writing there? Well, in this, I, I just pull it all together, Pat. It's just a little addendum at the end of the book where we review everything we've learned in every section. And what I do, Pat, in this area is I pray for the reader. I pray that the wisdom that they acquired um, would fill every corner of their hearts. I, I pray that, that as they look over their past, that they'll count their blessings and, and not be reminded of their turmoil, but that they'll see the fingerprint of God on every day of their one glorious life. I, I pray for my readers that they would know Christ, that of all the things we could know this side of heaven, Pat, um, Basketball scores. I'm a basketball aficionado like you are. Mm. Um, music, um, the names of your children, um, what, whatever it is, that the most important thing that we would ever know is Christ in his fullness. I, I pray that my readers, that their hearts would overflow with a song of thanksgiving and praise. I pray that their foundation would be solid and strong and that their building materials would last a lifetime. So that is what is in the afterword of this book, where I, the author, I pray over you, the reader. And Pat, I honestly do this. I, I pick up this book because it's my new book. It's, it's book number 14. I, I pick this book up in the morning and I pray this prayer over my readers 
because I want their lives to mean something. I want their lives to smack of the joy of the Lord. I want them to live in a place of hope, regardless of what their circumstances are. And honestly, Pat, that's the only reason I write. The only reason I write is to impact one person's life with the joy of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, stand and cheer for Carol McLeod. <laughs> her book, oh, Pat, at, you're so dear. Her, her book, At Home in Your Heart. Uh, we've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay with us here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In the first segment, Chris Brown was with us from Columbia, Tennessee, talking about his book, Restored, Transforming the Sting of Your Past into Purpose for Today. And then Carol McLeod uh, brought great joy to us. Uh, that's the name of her podcast, by the way, A Jolt of Joy. Uh, but her book, At Home in Your Heart, Inviting Christ into Every Room. Thanks so much for plugging in with us. And folks, uh, check out my latest book. It's called Every Day is Game Day. It's a devotional book, 365 days. Each devotion has a sports theme. I wrote it with my friend Mark Atterbury. It's out now. I think you'll get some real uh, benefits from it. Every day is game day. Well, folks, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In the meantime, stay plugged right in here to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Your life will be better for it. Have a great week ahead. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time where faith comes by hearing. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word.